I am a washed up hoops junkie and this is my podcast. Imagine this is the blown layup of podcasts for basketball. A little cleaning up before we get started. This used to be something I used to do called the Royal City Hoops podcast, but now there is a local basketball club called Royal City Basketball and I do not want any confusion. So for the five people who may have been listening to this before, that's why I did that. Quan. I got to thinking with everything going on at the beginning of the season, I've been watching a lot of the Utah Jazz, which, you know, you wouldn't think prior to the season that would be something I was doing or looking forward to, but I have been. And it got to me thinking about with all the drama going on and teams in turmoil and teams sucking, to talk about the idea of damaged NBA assets in the land of misfit toys in terms of a strategy to rebuild your franchise, which is what Utah is doing. We're going to start with the team that everyone hates talking about in all the basketball podcasts that I listen to and that we are probably sick of talking about for the last 16 or 18 months. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm going to talk about two things a little differently. One, is it time to blow up the Lakers? Think about it. We've been complaining about Russ and the bad fit and how it doesn't work and all the inner workings of that, really the major problem has been that Anthony Davis has not been healthy and has not been able to stay healthy. Every time he hits the ground, I think both he and people watching think, oh my God, is he going to be out another three months? Like, what are we doing here? What's going to happen? LeBron is currently 37 years old, still amazing, about to become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Does he really want to stick around? What's the path to the Lakers being good? There is none. Even if you talk about the Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade, that doesn't put them up at the top of the Western Conference or at the top of the NBA. They just aren't that good. That move makes them better than they are now. It does not make them better going forward. And while you may have heard Miles Turner lobbying to get onto the Lakers, he's a free agent next summer. Maybe it's a scenario where he's just putting the, this planting the seed for them to say, oh, we will sign you and you will come here. You know, they, that's what he could be doing because they are going to have a lot of cap space when Russ comes off the books. So my other point is, are the Lakers just the Knicks with better weather? Have they really showed a lot of competence? All right, they've won a championship in the bubble whether you think that's harder or easier or doesn't count, whatever. In the last 10 years, the Lakers have 10, no, 20 more wins than the New York Knicks. In 10 years, the Knicks have two playoff appearances. The Lakers have three. The only difference is that bubble championship. Otherwise, they are neck and neck. And if any team has shown incompetence, successively for close to 30 years and may just be coming out of it, but we'll talk about that later, it's the New York Knicks. So ask yourself, what's the difference? Have the Lakers really developed any young talent? Eh, probably not. Now we're going to move from them and what they're dealing with onto Utah, which is going through the land of misfit toys. They've cobbled together a bunch of role players, NBA veterans, Guys with something to prove, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markin, who is playing amazing. 
And they are fun to watch. They have Kelly Olynyk, Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. They have a bunch of NBA pros who are playing hard and are not looking at tanking. They do not care. Now, Danny Ainge magically traded Rudy Gobert for a treasure trove of picks and assets. And he is letting those assets play their butts off so that he can then trade them for better assets going forward. Especially with the Wembayama sweepstakes happening. And there'll be a tankathon come the end of the year as teams jockey for a little bit better position or draft picks. So expect a lot of those guys who are on Utah right now to not be on Utah in a little bit. But Utah has been fun. I've watched probably four of their games, either in whole or in part, and they're exciting. They play hard. They shoot the ball. They take it to the hoop. They're just a lot of fun right now. And I could see them basically winning not many games by the end of the year as teams position themselves to trade assets to become more of a title contender. Utah has some pieces that teams would like, and Danny Ainge knows it. You know, say what you will about a lot of those guys. They're, you know, top eight rotation players, and those are valuable come later in the season. Now, the next team we're going to talk about is unfortunately on the other side and is the template for what Utah is doing. That is the New Jersey Nets. Pre-KD Kyrie, so 2017 to 2019, the Nets had a super fun reclamation project. Think about their roster. Joe Harris had flamed out in Cleveland, was nobody. Uh, they had Spencer Dinwiddie. They had Karis Levert. They had D'Angelo Russell, Trevor Booker, Jared Dudley, a whole bunch of players who were just out there having fun, and they created a culture that people were like, wow, these guys are fun, they're plucky, they're the go get them team, you know, the little engine they could. You know, they're an eight seed, sure, but they're still – a good team. Now, that attracted KD and Kyrie. And the potential when the two of them joined was sky's the limit. Well, that potential turned into a reality dumpster fire. They traded for James Harden, and that didn't work. And then they traded for Ben Simmons, and that didn't work. KD asked for a trade, wanted Nash and Marks fired. What a complete mess then Nash does get fired and they're looking at Ime Adoka who has baggage all of his own now they made the right choice they chose stability not bringing in a new head coach just finish out the season there's a couple of really good head coaches out there Ime Adoka being one of them I don't know everything that's around the whole Boston situation and then there's Quinn Steiner still out there which is a very interesting coaching candidate for anyone but they are the template for what Utah is doing, and they can are showing you how it can go epically wrong. Look at the Clippers as well. If you remember after Chris Paul was traded, that team with Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and Tobias Harris, good team, well coached by Doc Rivers. Say what you will about Doc Rivers as a coach. They were fun. They became a good culture, and then – what did they do? They landed Kyrie. They or not Kyrie. They landed Kawhi. They landed Paul George. And Kawhi hasn't played a lot of games. They haven't been able to turn that 
building process of going from a fun team and taking those assets and bringing in really, really good players and being a championship level talent laden roster to actually getting into a deep playoff run and having a shot at a chip. Kyrie has played what? Or sorry, I keep saying Kyrie. Kawhi has, how many games has he played in the last 18, 24 months? Not a ton. Not as much as what you're paying him and what your outcome was hopeful for. Now let's move to a team that for three decades was potentially in a big market, the poster child for incompetence. The last time the Knicks front office was looked at as being competent was when Dave Checkets was running it. That's in the 90s. <clears throat> That's Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley. That's way back. That is the last time they were a team where you thought, oh, the Knicks know what they're doing. They did not get Donovan Mitchell this summer, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a time where the Knicks need to show stability, show that they're a good organization, that they can develop talent, not light their cap money on fire by signing the second coming of Jerome Lane. Uh, No, Jerome James. Sorry, Jerome Lane's a different guy. The pit dunk. They have managed to there were not squander all their cap space. Just say what you will about the Julius Randle contract. It's not that bad. They got Jalen Brunson, who fits perfectly with what Tom Thibodeau tries to do as a small guard. He's had great success with small guards. They had a really under-the-radar signing with Isaiah Hartenstein, who's a good rotation player, who, given Mitchell Robinson's foul propensity, will play a lot of minutes this season. <clears throat> R.J. Barrett has developed. He's turning into a real NBA player. You have uh, Emmanuel Quickly, who I like a lot of. Now, he's struggling to find minutes because they have Derrick Rose, who's a Tom Thibodeau favorite, and they have Brunson. Uh, They have some players that are really, you know, fighting for minutes. Obi Toppin's another one who, if Julius Randle wasn't there, we would be seeing a lot more of. So, The Knicks, I think, have put themselves on a good spot. And even had they got Donovan Mitchell, how much better do you think they were or would be than they are now? Last season, they won 37 games. Jalen Brunson takes them. I think they they win 40 games. But when I looked at it at the beginning of the season, I thought they're they're a playing team. They're 10th, 9th maybe. Who knows what happens with Chicago? They're not really built to go for it, but that's okay. They just have to show they're competent, they're developing players, they're making good choices. What has Donovan Mitchell take you to 44? You know, they're not better long term than Cleveland because I think Evan Mobley is going to be a beast and Darius Garland's a stud. And Donovan Mitchell ending up there is great for them. And I've watched a ton of them. They're super fun. Let's not get sidetracked. Let's talk about the Knicks. I think they that falling through was not a bad thing. Sure, they won't be as good. They won't have a star, and stars attract stars. Well, has it worked for the Nets? Has it worked for the Clippers? Negative. A place where things are working, strangely, and I would never have guessed it, but looking at their roster and having watched a little bit more is the Portland Trailblazers. They are on my list of league pass teams to watch more of. But I was super impressed. I've seen parts of two games, probably a total of five quarters of them, Really impressed by how their roster is built. And if you stop and think about it, and you look at their roster, you go, why wouldn't I think these guys win more games? 
Anthony Simons, Simmons, whatever you want to call him, he's replaced CJ McCollum seamlessly. He's a player. It's no joke. Yeah, he put up numbers on a crappy team last year, but he's putting those up numbers up now and he's playing well. Dame is Dame. He's a little older. When healthy, he's a stud. But their forward rotation, Jeremy Grant, Justice Winslow, who's super underrated and is having a big impact with them because he can be a playmaker and a ball handler. Josh Hart, you know, GP3, two, GP3, I was going to say. Gary Payton, the second, who hasn't played, he's been injured. Good player, right? They have good rotation NBA players who can play at a high level, and Dame is really that stud player that can really close games out for him. And they have the other scoring with Simmons. And Jeremy Grant, let's let's not forget the role he played in Denver before he said, I want to be a 25-point-a-game guy. He is their third scoring option. And watching them play, they don't run a lot for him. He gets it all in the flow. It's a really, really nicely put-together team. They can defend. They have Nurkic in the middle. They have enough size. They're a fun team, and I am surprised that they are doing so well, and I feel dumb that I didn't think they could win more games. What really uh, stuck with me of the games I watched was how poised they were down the stretch. And I was trying to figure out, none of these guys have played in like monster big games. How are they this clutch? How are they coming through with these plays and seem under control at all times? Maybe it's the fact that their coach is a guy that they called Mr. Big Shot and Chauncey Phillips. I think that has something to do with it. They're well coached right now. Something you probably wouldn't have said about them last year, but they didn't have Dame and a lot going on, a lot of changes. Those changes that they did over the summer have really worked out. I'm a big fan of Josh Hart. I'm a big fan of Justice Winslow. I think he's very underrated. More for the impact he makes on your team than what you see when you're looking at the box score. Or when you're going, oh, he can't really shoot. He's not like big. He's not super athletic. He just goes out there and helps you win. Josh Hart, the same. So I think Portland is a really under-the-radar team that I missed out on and that, that has – a chance for real success for the whole season. What do you think? Who are you watching? Let me know. As always, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and enjoy the rest of your day.